Welcome back to Muse Room. I know it's been a while, but I'm so excited to be back. We're gonna switch things up here at Muse Room though. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see that I changed my handle to Muse Room Table. I'm diving into something that I've always loved and that is food. Cooking is something that has fascinated me since I was a child and it's something that makes me really happy. So from here on out, everyone you hear from on this podcast will be somewhat related to the world of food whether that is an avid home cook, professional restaurant chef, food blogger, you name it. I'm going to try to keep this relatively simple for my sanity. I am a one-woman show, so for now we will start out with episodes every other week and we'll take it from there. If there is someone you want me to interview, please let me know by either emailing me or shooting me a DM on Instagram. You'll find all of that information in the show notes. So this week, I'm sharing a conversation that I had with a friend of mine named Anne-Marie. She's a fellow, former BA fan, Bon Appetit fan. We'll get into what that means later. She's a lover of baked goods, and she's an aspiring food stylist. We talk about her first memory in the kitchen, how to cook delicious food with what you have in the kitchen, how the pandemic has influenced her cooking and eating, why she loves baking instead of cooking, and what she has been baking lately and how she's learned how to bake over the last few months, the reckoning at Bon Appetit, and so much more. At the end, we'll do some fun quick-fire questions, and she will share a recipe that she's been loving. So, let's talk to Anne-Marie. Well, welcome, Anne-Marie, to Museum Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Can you please introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm Anne-Marie. I cook, I bake, I take photos of it, I post on Instagram. I don't know. But that, that's it. Mm-hmm. And what has been, like, in the world of food, what has been really inspiring you right now? That's a great question. I... I get really inspired by food photography. I really like the way like food looks and how creative it is to like plate things and Mm -hmm. just the way people take photos of it and stuff. I just think it's so interesting. And that honestly influences a lot of the food that I like choose to make. Right. Um, Which I mean, I guess we're like living in a digital world, so it doesn't really matter. But for me, like I love like sharing what I'm making on Instagram and talking to people on the internet and so yeah so I always have kind of um been drawn to food that like looks great Mm -hmm. and also tastes great I mean I'm a big fan of just like crappy food too I guess that sounds like a little bit um annoying but I also love like or just like yeah yeah for sure I I have no shame on that yeah I watched um my one of my favorite episodes of Chef's Table is the one with um, Christina Tolsey from Milk Bar. Um, I just love her personality, and I feel like we're one in the same of like being raised on like these classic American foods and like being told that they're like not the best or like not the most culinarily sophisticated. But you know, if like if it was up to me, I would still like go trick or treating and get Halloween candy. Like Halloween candy is great. I love like a good boxed cake. I don't know. I think there's something fun about that too. I love a boxed brownie. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, sometimes like you don't want to spend like 70 hours making donut dough or like Mm -hmm. perfecting your sourdough. Sometimes you just want to eat a loaf of white bread or 
I don't know, a box brownie. Yeah. So I totally get that. And I'm all for it too. Like, I don't think, I think there used to be a lot of like gatekeeping in the food community of like, you know, like this is the right way to do something and this is the wrong way to do something. But now, like I said before, when we live in this like digital age, I feel like it's just so easy to learn how to do whatever you want and do Mm -hmm. things the way you want to do them. So, Yeah. yeah. I like that. And I think there's a time and a place where maybe on like a slow Sunday where you have a ton of time and you're going to experiment with that brownie recipe and like really perfect it and spend time learning about like what the different ingredients are doing and all that stuff. But what if it's like a Tuesday night and you just really need brownies after a long day at work and you don't want to spend six hours in the kitchen? You can just Yes. Mm-hmm. I totally understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, d- I've been both of those people over mm-hmm. the course of the last couple of weeks. Alone, yeah. so. And it's so okay. I I'm, I get that because over the last like few months, I've learned that I like making a lot of things from scratch. Like I'm trying not to use boxed chicken stock anymore and make my own chicken stock. Um, so I'm like really excited about making everything from scratch, but then obviously like there's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. a mix yeah for sure mm-hmm. yeah and sometimes I mean I don't know sometimes you have the time sometimes you don't so mm-hmm. for sure yeah so let's backtrack a little bit can you tell me about the first time that you really remember yourself in the kitchen were you like at home with your mom when you were younger or was it something recently that happened? Like, when did you really start getting into the kitchen and having fun in the kitchen? That's a great question. I, the, the first time I remember like really cooking for myself or like with my family was, I think I was probably like eight or nine years old. Um, and my mom let me use like a paring knife to cut up, uh, like walnuts for like this gross cheese ball thing she was making um for like a holiday or something and no shame um, on a cheese ball I kind of love cheese balls <laughs> I mean honestly yeah great but I just distinctly remember it yeah. being like bright orange cheese molded mm-hmm. into a ball mm-hmm. um I know and I got to about. chop up the walnuts with a paring knife and I felt very like sophisticated and <laughs> old that I got to use the knife and my mom trusted me with it Granted, now I realize that all of my mom's knives are literally so dull that there's no way you could ever cut yourself on one of them. So, <laughs> so probably wasn't that crazy of her to let me use it. But yeah, I think that's probably like my first memory of cooking with her. Um, honestly, I don't cook a lot with my mom at the same time or with really any of my family members. Me and my mom are like one in the same where we like I absolutely hate cooking with other people, mm. which it might be controversial, but I just really like like to be independent and sometimes like task management and like finding something for someone else to do or just like having someone be in the way. That sounds so rude. Um, having someone be in the way is just a little bit frustrating. So mm-hmm. I think um, cutting up the walnuts was as much as my mom was willing to give. And that's probably as much as I'm willing to give someone else to. <laughs> Do you think it's so you want to like you like cooking is the time for you to like really get in your own head and get creative? Or is it just that you don't 
you like actually don't like to work like work with other people <laughs> no I didn't I, mean, I feel like I phrased that wrong <laughs> no I get it I get it I mean I I just uh yeah I think I'm just like a perfectionist when it comes mm-hmm. to cooking and stuff so um yeah I just like doing things my way and and just being alone when I do it I don't know mm-hmm. something about it just like irks me a little bit and I think that's the same thing that happens with my mom and mm-hmm. She always says we all become our mothers, and I say that phrase all the time now, and it's horrifying that we all become our mothers. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's my first memory of cooking, but it wasn't until like recently that I really got into it, like probably the past couple of years, um, because I had to start cooking for myself. I like right. I moved out, and you know, because my mom loves cooking by herself, I never really like cooked when I was living with her. So now that I live on my own, it's like, you know, it's a task as all adults have. So, um, yeah. And I, I just wanted to have more fun with it than I was having before. So it's been, it's been fun to like learn how to cook and, and work on like my cooking skills themselves. I, in general, like I do a lot more baking than I do cooking. Mm-hmm. Like, nine times out of 10, like I'm ready to order takeout on any given night of the week. But like when it comes to baked goods, like I'm, I'm always baking stuff. Mm-hmm. So do you, is it because you like the process of baking or do you just have more of a sweet tooth? Because for me, I, I like cooking because I like the, I don't love to eat sweets very much. I just, I'm not super into them. Like I'll have a brownie every once in a while. How is it for you? Like, do you just love sweets? I love sweets. I could eat sweets for every meal of the day, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) And like every, every meal for me, like ends up having some sort of dessert element to it. Like sometimes I can't keep up with how much I love having sweets around with my baking. So I, you know, end up buying a lot of sweets also so (laughs) I think I'm just like a a dessert person I don't know I always wanted to be a dessert person so I just started eating a lot of desserts and now I'm addicted to sugar so I love it yeah I gotta feel my fire yeah when you first started cooking you said you started cooking more so when you started to live alone or live Mm -hmm. outside of your parents house Mm-hmm. Um, what were some of the, like the first things that you were baking and or cooking and how has that evolved like until up until now? Um, so the first time that I lived on my own was in college. I did a semester in New York City and I lived alone alone in New York. I, it was like just me in this tiny like 10 by 10 apartment. It was so sad. I still have nightmares about it. But um <laughs> So that was like the first time where I had to like, you know, figure out how to like get all my meals together. And just for context, like pre-living alone, even through college, my mom was packing me like snacks to take to school. And I like, I don't have shame in that because I love snacks made by my mom. I don't know <laughs> mm-hmm. if she, she was volunteering to make them. It wasn't like I was like, hey mom, I need snacks for school today. Mm-hmm. It's just that she like I said before, like, likes being in the kitchen and didn't really want help. So, you know, she had plans for where she wanted her snacks to go and they happened to be to me. So 
when I moved out and I was living by myself in New York City, I was faced with having not a ton of money and then also like the first time having to buy groceries for myself every week and like figure out that budget and like Mm -hmm. how if I use half the green beans tonight, what am I going to use the other half of the green beans in? Mm -hmm. Um, And also when I was living in that apartment, I only had a hot plate and a microwave. Wow. So meal options were very limited, but I got very creative and I'm very proud of some of the meals that I put together there. I, one of my favorites was I would make, so sad, I would make um, instant mashed potatoes and I would like saute like green beans or like steamed broccoli, sort of. And then I would like make like this uh, really good, they have this really good um, soy ground beef that they sell at Trader Joe's. Mm. And so I would make like this little like shepherd's pie situation wow. in like a cereal bowl. And it was immaculate for what it was. Oh my God. Oh, I should also mention that I also brought a rice maker with me to New York. That's like my essential kitchen appliance. So I brought my rice maker too, and that's how I steamed the broccoli. So every night was like a little, what's that show? Master Chef, where they have to, or what's the one with Alton Brown, where they have to use like the challenges to I make stuff. Remember, but it also reminded me a little bit of Sola's recent episode on binging with Babish. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where she had to do the like, convenience store meal like seven yes tasting menu that's kind of what it reminded me of yeah a little bit like that except um only two bags of trader joe's groceries that you can carry on the train (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. and i mean that was a fun time (laughs) yeah and you can only use a hot plate so figure it out (laughs) i feel like that makes you now probably helps you to understand like how to not waste things and how mm-hmm. to use what you have to make something really delicious. Yeah, for sure. I remember being in that apartment and for the first time, like realizing how much food waste I was creating and how much waste in general I like I made as just one person. Like I lived in this tiny apartment and every day I had to take out the trash and I was like, this is crazy. How am I throwing away so much stuff every day that I have to take it out with me on my way to work? So yeah, it was really eye-opening, but it was fun. I liked it a little bit. Do you have (laughs) any advice for people who, like I'm speaking for myself right now, where I do end up wasting a lot of food and I feel like that's something that I really want to change about the way that I cook and like grocery shopping is really hard for me because sometimes I'll mm-hmm. just think of a recipe I want to make and then I'll go to the store and s- drop like $60 just for that recipe. Do you mm-hmm. have advice for anyone like that who isn't great at using just what they have in their fridge slash pantry and how to get around spending a lot of money and wasting a lot of food? Yeah, I don't know. Um I definitely would not say I'm like an expert in this area at all. Right. Like I said, I, I'm more of a baker than a cooker. I mm-hmm. kind of hate cooking for myself. But um, I think that for me, the way that I've been saving money recently on groceries and stuff is like ditching recipes in general and just kind of like seeing how things go. Mm. Like 
it, you know, it's kind of like MasterChef. You get whatever you want, like whatever you have in your refrigerator and you figure out something to make with it. And I, I generally like just look at what we have and then I'm like, okay, here's my protein, here's my vegetable, or all I have is this today. And this is the general theme that we're going for. Honestly, I think spices are probably like the best way to like make use of everything in your refrigerator. Like if you had like half a bag of green beans, you could make those Asian green beans or you can make them like Italian green beans or, you know, like there's just with like grouping your spices in your mind and like kind of figuring out like which spice group makes them taste a certain way. You can really like broaden your food horizons mm-hmm. that way. I don't know if that's a great answer, but no, that's great that's, advice. That's how I think. Yeah. I like that. And yeah, I think it's having the the pantry is something that I and probably a lot of other people need to like stock up their pantry first before going to the store mm-hmm. and just having those like staples. Yeah, pantry items. I mean, with coronavirus, my pantry has become so much better than it was before and I really like use my pantry now in a way that I don't think I did when I was like eating out every week or going to restaurants and Mm -hmm. just like you know yeah so what are some other ways that the quarantine and pandemic have influenced your your food lifestyle um, well, we eat at home all the time now. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, uh, it's crazy just um, how much money we've saved in the past couple months just from eating at home. I mean, we used to, we used to be going out, like, I would probably like three to four times a week, we would eat out or, you know, not like crazy stuff. Like we would eat Chipotle and then we would like go out to a nice restaurant with our friends and then mm-hmm. we were going to bars and dropping so much money on food every week. So, I mean, we eat at home so much more, which has really forced us to like get into a better like grocery shopping routine and like having go-to like weeknight recipes and, you know, all that good stuff. So eating at home has been great. Um, But it's also like encouraged us, I think, to try different recipes or at least with my baking, it's encouraged me to like try baking projects that take a little bit longer because I know that I'll be home all day to to tend to (laughs) tend to my donut dough and stuff um (laughs) yeah I don't know it's it's been fun I honestly like I told you I don't really mind being in quarantine I like Mm -hmm. being at home I like cooking and hanging out and basically all of my plans revolve around food and now it's just the plan is making the food so Mm -hmm. I love that and so you're your full-time career is not in food, correct, at the moment? Yeah, not at the moment, really. I is that something that you aspire to? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what my full-time career is at all at the moment, but, <laughs> but I would love to be a full-time food stylist. That's like my, my dream in life. Yeah, I, yeah. I, think, I think you can do that. Um, thank you yes so so your like role in the food world you'd say is more towards food styling yeah I think so I don't know I mean I think um there's definitely like a bit of imposter syndrome in like anything that I do 
at least for me, but um, I just feel like food styling is something that I want to be good at and that I've consistently been working on for like the past year or two. And I don't, it, it just feels like the right fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I like would love to be like a recipe developer or like be like a food like personality or something, but I, I like am always scared to share like recipes and stuff with people just because I don't have a strong food background Mm -hmm. like some of these other people do but I I have been sharing some recipes and stuff just like on TikTok and through my blog and I I don't know I mean it's great to be doing anything at all so Mm -hmm. that's what I tell myself and I mean I like I like talking to people about food I like eating food I like making food and but most of all I definitely like being in the photo realm of food yeah because you've I mean I met you like two ish I guess years ago at this point yeah two years ago and you you've kind of always been dabbling in photography but it wasn't always food like how did you Mm -hmm. started out in photography a while ago what yeah drew you more to food than to other things yeah so for a really long time I thought that I was going to be like a fashion blogger or like a just like a blogger in general I went to school for fashion so when I graduated from school I was like I'm just gonna like make Instagram my thing which is great like no shame in that and I was taking photos and I really wanted to be like a fashion blogger and then I very quickly realized that that like didn't make me it just didn't make me feel good. Like it just didn't make me feel like myself. And I realized that I didn't even want to work in fashion really. And then I was like, I'm just going to start doing whatever makes me happy at that point and stop obsessing over my Instagram and just like post whatever feels right. And eventually I started exploring different career path ideas. I remember like talking to one of my friends and she was like you should just do like you should just get like a crazy job like something totally different from what you've been doing for the past couple years and just like try something new and I was like yeah I should do that so I started just like thinking about like things that I genuinely like doing and one of them was baking and I was like oh maybe I'll just become a baker like what, what a great skill that would be to just like know how to bake and be someone who like wakes up at the crack of dawn and like makes the croissants for everyone and that it just like sounded so great but I do think that baking is a very hard job and I would never want to be a baker it, it's I mean I could never wake up at like three in the morning and just start baking mm-hmm. so once I decided that I could not be a baker I was like well I could still bake stuff I guess so wanted to like learn more about it and at around the same time was when I started becoming like thoroughly obsessed with Bon Appetit so I was watching a lot of YouTube videos and Claire's baking school series came out and I was like this is great like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start baking for fun and like make it like a point to put time and effort into baking I I was also like this is like a very shortened version of everything that happened. There was a lot of stress that happened in this like mm-hmm. year as well. But in like January, I had just like gotten rejected from a pretty big food. It was in the food styling world. And I kind of just like felt shunned from this 
this job offer that I had gotten and it ended up not working out and I was like kind of hurt about it and I was like man this sucks like I thought that I was in a really good place I thought that my like food photos were being noticed I was ready to like dive into this this job as a food stylist assistant and then it kind of fell through and so in January, I was like craving this, this need for routine in my life mm-hmm. because I work from home and have worked from home for a long time. There's just like a lot of wiggle room in my schedule. And sometimes I let myself wiggle a little bit too much. So I was, you know, waking up every day at like noon and staying up really late and going out to bars and like going out to eat. And my schedule was just like crazy. I was never like fully locked into something. So I decided I needed a routine and I wanted to make my routine fun. So I decided it was going to be about cookies. And I just woke up every day for a month at 8 a.m. and I made cookies and I took pictures of them and I posted them on Instagram. And I was like, this is a new routine. I'm just going to like, I'm just going to do this until someone like notices it. And even if no one notices it, it's great practice, I guess. Maybe I'll learn something about how to make cookies. And then I can just like whip up cookies whenever I want. Maybe I'll like memorize a recipe along the way or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, spoiler alert, I did not memorize any recipes. (laughs) (laughs) But it was still a fun project. I think that's kind of like what kickstarted me thoroughly wanting to be a food stylist mm-hmm. and also like more like dedicating more of my time towards like learning about food styling and like participating in that realm, even if it's just like the Instagram world. Yeah. You were doing bake sales at one point, right? Yes. Yeah. I started doing bake sales when quarantine started. Mm-hmm. I wish I could have tried some of your cookies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they I mean it was it's fun. I haven't done one recently, but I probably should do one soon. Um I I started doing bake sales probably in like April or March. I um I mean like almost every American I like lost a lot of hours at my regular job, so mm-hmm. I had a lot of free time on my hands and I was baking more and I was like, you know, let's just like, let's try this out. People always comment at, like always used to comment on my cookie photos. Like, oh my gosh, I wish I had one of these. Like, when are you opening your bakery? Like, when can I have one? And mm. um, the fun part about the cookie project was that I was able to like give away cookies every day to someone new. So mm. whoever I just happened to be seeing that day ended up with a bunch of cookies Um And it also fueled my sweet tooth. So nice. Another goal of that project was that maybe one day I would get sick of eating cookies and then I like (laughs) would never want to eat a cookie again, but that did not happen. So (laughs) that sucks. Um, (laughs) Don't have the sweet tooth. What were some of the cookies that you made? Um, I made so many. I think the first ones were a. Oh, the first ones were Chris Morocco's brown butter cookies from Bon Appetit. Those ones are good, but honestly, not the best chocolate chip cookie recipe. Mm. This is controversial because do you like, what kind of chocolate chip cookie do you like? Like a thin one or like a cakey one? Um, I want it to be really chunky and like I want the dough to be like barely finished and the Mm -hmm. chocolate chips to be really gooey. 
Uh-huh. I would say. Yeah, so definitely thick, right? Mm-hmm. Like a, I love a thick chocolate chip cookie, but apparently a lot of people like thin ones, and that's what Chris Morocco's cookies are. Mm. His are definitely like a thin. They're good. I mean, they're crispy on the outside, chewy on the inside, delicious cookies. Love them. Can't go wrong. But I prefer a cakier cookie, which is why the recipe that I developed for the chocolate chip cookies for the bake sale is a cakey cookie. I mean, I just love a thick cakey cookie. That's just me. So you're at the point now where you've been baking a lot, where you can kind of riff off of certain recipes and make it your own. Mm-hmm. You understand the the science a little bit enough to do that? Um, I mean, a little bit, I guess. I think. Well, it sounds like you do, <laughs> which is cool. <laughs> well, thanks. Um, yeah, I just, I think um, the thing about recipe developing that makes me feel like scared is it's, it's hard because, I mean, there's only so many ways you can make a chocolate chip cookie. Like there's certain ingredients that like have to be in it and like they're usually a certain ratio and mm-hmm. you put chocolate chips in it and I don't know so are are there things that you can change a little bit and then like call it your own like yeah sure but like did you develop that recipe not really <laughs> I don't know I have like um it it always like scares me to think about like not being 100% original but I think that's just something I have to get over if I ever want to like make recipes because you know nothing's ever original so yeah I think a lot of recipes are just like a snowball effect like from the first recipe and it becomes something else and Mm -hmm. something new entirely and I think it's okay if obviously you don't want to copy someone completely and call it your own but it's okay if there's a little bit of if it's not I mean there's yeah yeah if it's not something that's just completely brand new that no one on this planet has tried before right yeah Yeah, I'm I mean I get I'm also not like really sharing recipes with people so like out into the public so I I feel like it's okay but yeah yeah I don't know I mean I just watch honestly everything that I've ever learned about food and photography I've learned on YouTube so I think um that's the world's greatest resource. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, it's hard to find recipe or um, YouTube videos specifically about recipe development because I think it's a lot different for different people. But in general, like, I mean, it's easy to like riff and, and make a, like a cooking recipe, but it's a lot harder to make a baking recipe mm-hmm. when there's like so many specific things, like the science of of it like you were saying before but I've been experimenting with it lately and I'm trying but it's also a very expensive hobby to just be like baking a bunch of pumpkin muffins and then throwing a bunch away so so one day I'll get there I'm trying yeah baking terrifies me kind of that is so funny because so many people say that to me you can do it I mean anyone can do it Mm-hmm. it's not it's just following instructions yeah I made Chris Morocco's chocolate cake a couple months ago and it just mm-hmm. turned into this like flat like just like a pile of mud basically <laughs> I don't know what happened that's so interesting I don't know I mean 
I, it was really, really hot cool. that day. So maybe that had something to do with it. It was like in the Nashville, Tennessee summer. I also had to sub out. I didn't have vanilla extract and it was, I had to go to Kroger and they did not have any vanilla extract because the Kroger mm-hmm. in our area is not great sometimes. And especially during these times. So I, mm-hmm. used, I actually put almond extract in it, which I know is not right, but I was like, oh, I like almond extract. I'll just try that. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> almond extract is great. Um, was that the only substitute that you made? I think so. I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to try it again. <laughs> or just a different you know, cake recipe. <laughs> well, the funny part about it is like people are always like, oh, I'm not like good at baking. I, I'm, I'm not good at it. And then like you, you just explained, they'll try like these recipes and they'll be like, yeah, well, I subbed like I subbed all purpose flour for bread flour and right. then I didn't have any white sugar. So I used brown sugar and it didn't turn out well. Like, of course it didn't turn mm-hmm. out well. Um, I mean, you just had to follow instructions to a T. You just got to do what yeah. it says. Yeah. It's um, not something, it's not like cooking where you can sub out a certain thing and it'll still taste good. Like it actually, right. if you sub out that thing, it changes the chemi- the chemistry of what you're actually making, which is insane to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty wild. And I mean, there are like so many little factors that change the outcome of it. Like maybe did you weigh your ingredients or did you use measuring cuffs? I was not using a scale yet at that point, and I yeah, that just might, got a scale. Might have factored in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it might have factored in a little bit, but even just using a scale is like is such a game changer. Mm-hmm. I literally hate measuring flour in cups because I like despise shifting sifting flour. So having a scale is a is one of my favorite tools in the kitchen. <laughs> Yeah. So when you first started getting into more food styling, going back to Mm -hmm. that, how did you, I'm sure you're still kind of honing in on this, but how did you hone in on your, your style and how has it evolved since you first started? Mm, Well, I think my, so a lot of, so all of the food photos that I post on my Instagram, I take, which like if I were a real quote unquote real food stylist, I wouldn't be taking any of the photos, but mm. I think just like my photography style in general has like evolved a lot. Like even since like when we first met, like I was very into like sepia tones and like everything was like brown and orange and I just loved it. Um, but now I think I've kind of like transitioned into this like more like realistic photography style. Um mm. Like, I really enjoy, like, bold colors and, like, bright, like, like full sun photography. Yeah, I love the um, way that you use light. Thank you. Um, yeah, I've always just been, like, trying to make it work. I think with, like, photography and stuff in general, it's all about, like, just doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, that sounds like the most basic stupid advice, but the more you do something like the more your style develops which sounds like such like a cheesy cookie cutter answer but it's like really true um when I started doing the 30 days of cookies I feel like my photography style was like a lot different than it is even now but it was useful I mean I like just taking the same round shape and figuring out 30 different ways to style Mm -hmm 
like a plate of round cookies was really beneficial. So I think like even just like practicing like that has like really helped me develop a even just like a better awareness of like how things look in real life versus how they look on a camera. And you know, I'm like still learning about it. I'm not I'm not a food stylist. I'm mm-hmm. a person who takes photos of food and puts it on Instagram. Yeah. And that's worked pretty well for me. I mean, there's people who've recognized that and like my photos and have asked me to like come on jobs with them and stuff and that's awesome. But I think the biggest thing for me is like just continuing to to do it and mm-hmm. To experiment and then also just like to like research and like have people that you look up to and like look at their work and like see what they're doing try to recreate stuff I mean don't like copy something and post yeah. it but like how did they get that lighting how is this shadow like that way instead of this way and I think just looking at like the composition of food images is really inspiring to me too like where where does the like where's the weight in the frame like is it up in the corner is it like down here is it all over the frame? Is it like an S shape? Like what is it that's mm-hmm. making me, what is it that's making me like like this photo and enjoy looking at it? And I also like think about that a lot too when I'm like looking at plates or like glasses that I'm going to buy and stuff. Like how is this going to look with this? How is this like going to sit in a photo? And like what, if I get a colored glass, then I won't be able to see what color the liquid is in it. Or right. if I get uh, like this glass, like will the shadows reflect if so I mean I think it's just like spending time figuring out what you what you like what you enjoy looking at and you know I mean it's really easy now to it's really easy now to find more inspiration than you would ever need if you find someone you like on Instagram they have that little drop down menu where you can find 10 other people who are doing similar things to them um yeah I, I spend a lot of time on Pinterest too I mean that's a mm-hmm. fun answer, but everyone spends time on Pinterest. I think it's just I love Pinterest. I <laughs> yeah, I mean, who doesn't love Pinterest? I try. I I stay off of it because <laughs> it's addicting. But I do like looking at like creative food photos on there too. There's some pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, that's usually like I just started getting into photographing my food. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm extremely amateur in photography and styling food but yeah pinterest is where i usually go just to like just Mm -hmm. find stuff that looks interesting i find pinterest really helpful for like concepts like even if it's just like i want there to be a hand in my food photo and i Mm -hmm. want it to go like this or this is like the kind of setup i want and and then you just make it your own so Mm -hmm. yeah no shame in the pinterest yeah so do you when you have something a recipe or even like just a, a dinner that you like sometimes maybe it's something that you've been planning. Maybe it's something like spur of the moment, but is there a process for how you decide to photograph slash style that, that piece of food? Is it something that you like spend a lot of time thinking about before you actually snap the photo or is it a lot of improvisation? It's usually a lot of improvisation because I, when I'm at home, I'm working with, like, so many different factors. It's, like, first of all, what am I making? I don't know. I feel like I never have everything I need in my house. And then and then it's, like, what time of day is it? Do I have enough sunlight to, like, even get a good photo in? 
mm-hmm. um then it's like are the dishes clean for <laughs> yeah for the thing I want to take a picture of and what I want to use for it but I I mean there is some I, sometimes there's pre-planning that goes into it I would like to think at least but sometimes there's not and then and things just end up you make things work I don't know there's this photo of a piece of toast that I made that has egg salad on it and I used like all these edible flowers and these like radishes Mm. and stuff and like made it look like this like I don't know it was just a really pretty piece of toast and um I took a picture of it on a piece of foam core that I have foam core is my best friend and yeah just like on the floor of my living room with my camera mm-hmm. my like really shitty old camera and it's like one of the best performing photos that I've ever posted on Instagram and I did like a little food styling sort of job a couple of weeks ago and the photographer was like oh my gosh I love that photo that you took of your egg salad that is my favorite photo I love it it yeah, was egg salad because I saw it and I was like I <laughs> normally would not go for egg salad like I'll go for a chicken salad sandwich but egg salad mm-hmm. is not really what I want but that photo mm-hmm. definitely made me crave egg salad well I'm glad because egg <laughs> salad is definitely underrated yeah um and that was <laughs> So that project was definitely like a spur of the moment thing. I I have a friend who um, supplies me with beautiful edible flowers and I had some left over and I was like, these are going to go bad. I need to make something with them today and figure it out. So I, that's what I ended up making. People love it. I don't know. And it's it's one of my favorite photos that I've ever taken. So I don't know. Yeah. And I think like the thing that's great about that photo too is like for a long time I was really like caught up with caught up in like I have to have like the right stuff to be able to make the perfect photo Mm -hmm. and so I was always like man I need a new camera I need a new lighting setup I need like I need to like figure out how to like get the best backgrounds and like the best like linens and and plates and like I have to have the the most unique idea for food and stuff and that the great thing about that photo is that it's like, it's really like about like doing the thing. Like you just need to work with what you have and like Mm -hmm. your talent shines through like more than like if I had a super nice camera to take that photo or not. Yeah. I mean, this is like the photographer who I was working with who, who liked it. She was, you know, we were sitting in her studio and she has like these amazing cameras and these amazing setups and this like whole closet of props and stuff and then she's like I love that photo and I'm like really I took that on my floor in my apartment like Mm -hmm. as the sun was setting like stressing like sweating over this thing trying to get it before the sun goes down and that's the photo she loved so I don't know yeah that that means something yeah it was just really reassuring to me that you know I don't need to get the fancy camera just yet yeah that's helpful because now that I'm starting to enjoy taking photos of my food and I want to start posting recipes soon. Um, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have like a pretty kitchen. Like my house is a mess all the time and I don't have all of the beautiful pottery and silverware and linens Mm -hmm. and all that stuff, but got to get past it. You get there. I mean, and, and you get there too. It's not, it's not like everything like happens all at once. So Mm -hmm. 
you know, you can, you, you can get your, your pottery just one piece <laughs> at a time. <laughs> right. Don't have to drop $500 on an entire set right now. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So about the, the BA reckoning, like we are both pretty mm-hmm. obsessed with Bon Appetit and mm-hmm. as I'm sure most people know what happened, but if you don't, basically the editor-in-chief posted a photo of himself dressing up as a Puerto Rican person for Halloween, and it was it was resurfaced over the, the past few months in June, and it came out that he was not really treating people very well in the work environment at Bon Appetit slash Condé Nast, and that a lot of other stuff has been going on and that some of the people of color were not getting compensated fairly. So that if you listeners are curious about learning more about that, you can, I'll put some links to some um, articles and podcast episodes, but Anne-Marie, what are your thoughts on that overall and what in general, like not just Bon Appetit, but kind of what the food world needs to do to step up their game in racial equity and really, I mean, whatever else is going on in this world today. Like the food world has a lot to do and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of cultural appropriation that's been happening and that has been happening for years and that no one has said anything about. And there's a lot of people not being credited for their work so what are your mm-hmm. thoughts and what what are you doing to combat that and what do you mm-hmm. suggest other people do? Um, so thoughts on Bon Appetit. I, I don't know if I really touched on this before, but Bon Appetit is like pretty much the reason that I like started cooking and the reason that I found out about food styling as a job. Like I really didn't fully understand that food styling could be a job until like I heard Molly Boss talk about it and like understood that this was like a career. So yeah. And obviously I feel like a deep connection with Bon Appetit. It was like, it just like really helped me in a time when I needed it, which I think is why yeah. so many Bon Appetit fans really love it. And that's why it has such a big following. Unfortunately, when everything happened, I am in pretty deep into the Bon Appetit community <laughs> You know, we're we're both a part of the Bon Appetit Facebook group and <laughs> not to brag, but I feel like my main TikTok following is because of my Bon Appetit content. So I obviously feel and I, I mean I, I also have two Bon Appetit t shirts which I spent too much money on and now can no longer wear. So uh-huh. <laughs> Bon Appetit means a lot to me. I mean, I really, really made it like a main part of my personality, which is problematic to begin with. So (laughs) when everything came out, I was obviously pretty devastated, but I think it, it's pretty plain to see that they weren't treating people right. And I really expected more of them. And I'm proud of Sola and Rick and Priya, pretty much all of the test kitchen staff for speaking out and making it known. Unfortunately, I think that there's probably the same disparity in a lot of the food world. I'm sure that those kinds of injustices happen across many food-related careers. Mm -hmm. Even just thinking about 
how this pandemic has affected the food industry is really disheartening and not in a way that like I'm sad that restaurants are gonna gonna end or something but more that it it just like so blatantly lies out the wealth gap and the understanding gap in our country I just think that it says a lot about us that there are people who lost their jobs during this pandemic who relied on unemployment and to go back to work they would be making less than they make on unemployment Mm -hmm. even just that statement alone makes me so sad for our country the best example of wealth discrimination in this country is restaurants at the moment like seeing masked servers serving people who have enough money time and wealth to just like go out and risk their lives is like very it's just so telling I don't know Mm -hmm. it's just and it sucks too because you know the people who are eating at restaurants are people who are financially stable but also people who are secure in their health care and who are secure in their jobs enough that being sick or literally risking their lives could could be okay and and manageable in their lifestyle. Meanwhile, we have servers who are being literally forced to go back to work who don't have health insurance and who are relying on the money they made off of unemployment to stay afloat. Mm-hmm. So for me, I just can't understand. I just can't understand it. I mean, I get it. I totally understand it, but but you know what I mean. But like, I get it. Why but I don't is get this? It. Why is this the situation that we're in? Yeah. Why are we pushing this responsibility onto people who are still making four dollars an hour? Mm-hmm. The situation with restaurants in in America is honestly sickening to me, and it's you know, it's hard to watch people like sweep that under the rug so for me I'm perfectly happy getting takeout and I enjoy supporting restaurants in that way and I'll continue to support restaurants in that way but you won't catch me at a a restaurant anytime soon I yeah so I think that's a big inequality that's happening in our world but also there's huge inequality that's happening beyond that with Black Lives Matter and I think I mean, that's become a big, I mean, it should be a big part of everyone's lives to begin with, but um, over the past couple of months, I mean, that's been, you know, top of everyone's mind. And as you mentioned, I was doing those bake sales before. And at first I was doing them because I had all this free time from not working as much. And because like, it was a way to make a couple extra bucks every week. And then it quickly turned into a fundraiser for Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. And I think I... I think I did like four or five bake sales and all of the proceeds went to different Black Lives Matters organizations. And I was like, I'm very happy to do that. And I'm excited about doing that. You know, I'm proud that I am able to do that and have the time and resources, but it's, there's more to be done. Mm-hmm. Just, just like there's more to be done than voting. There's more to be done than like, you can't, you can do more than one thing. Right. Um, it's not like you do this one thing and you're like, okay, I did my civic yeah. duty for the year. Like, yeah, for sure. It's so like an I, everyday thing. Yeah. And it's finding like where you 
fit into that equation too. Like for me at the time, it was like, I have this way to make extra income. So I'm going to do it and donate it. And, you know, for other people, it can mean different things. Mm -hmm. If you, you have the capability to, to learn and contribute in that way, then you do that. If you have the capability to show up and protest, then you can do that, you know? So for me, food has always been like a love language and a part of my life to show people that I care. So doing a bake sale just felt natural Mm -hmm. and I was able to raise like a lot of money through that. And that's great. So that's awesome. Yeah. Do you think you'll be doing yeah. any more in the next few months, at, uh, like leading up to the election or anything? I'm not sure. So to be honest with you, life has been very busy lately. And while that's not a great excuse, it's true. <laughs> right. So I am hoping to do a big sale probably this month or next. We'll see. And I think it might also be a great time to do it with the holidays coming up and stuff. But like we were talking about in the beginning of this conversation, it's like, I'm not a baker. I don't think I was ever meant to be a baker who can, who can pump out, you know, 500 cookies in a day or like wake up at the crack of dawn and, and make the croissants for everyone. It's just not in my wheelhouse. So the other thing is I am really good at not saying no to people, which mm-hmm. often results in accepting far too many bake sale orders. And then I'm yeah. way in over my head. Right. Especially as so, one person and you have to buy mm-hmm. all of those ingredients. Yeah. And I have to bake them all in my one oven. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot, but that's awesome. It is a lot. I wish Thank I would have been in Cleveland for that moment when you were doing that. Maybe well, I, I'm also hoping to down the line learn how to ship cookies. I think that would be great. My aunt actually has a cookie business, um, and she ships cookies around the nation. So I need to work with her on figuring out how to ship cookies. Maybe it will be the next big sale. Yeah. All right. I just, before we wrap up, I just wanted to do a little quick fire situation, if you're ready. Ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> so what did you have for dinner last night? <laughs> I had Chinese food. <laughs> Ooh, what what do you order? Um, General Tao's chicken, like 10 orders of crab ragoon, and I always get wonton soup. I love wonton soup. I've recently liked getting the egg drop wonton combination sort of soup. Wow, that sounds very fancy. It's good. What was the last thing that you baked? Um, Oh, the last thing I baked was these ginger caramel oat bars from A Cloudy Kitchen. She is great. A Cloudy Kitchen and a Cozy Kitchen. Um, (laughs) She she's awesome. I love, I love her recipes. I make them all the time. It was the first time that I've made caramel and it turned out very well. Mm. I'll have to find that recipe. Your least favorite food. Oh my God. I honestly would probably eat anything. One that, one that comes to mind, I don't know if this is my least favorite food. Maybe it just needs to grow on me is probably oysters, but I'm not... I'm not rich enough to try a lot of oysters and find one that I like. Uh, I love oysters. Like I ate them for the first time. (laughs) Weirdly enough, the first time I ate oysters was at the Rocky River Whole Foods Market. Oh, really? 
<laughs> just sitting wow. at the bar. And obviously that's not the place you want to go for oysters, but there's a great place wow. here in Nashville called Henrietta Red and they have an incredible oyster sh- selection. I think they like mm-hmm. overnight so that they have super wow. fresh seafood. But yeah, I think you just have to eat them a couple times and then you'll get used to like the weird slimy feeling. Ugh, I don't know what it is about it. The first time I had oysters and the only time I've had oysters is um, at Cell Rose in New York City. I went there exclusively for the pink door to take an Instagram photo one of the first times that I went to New York. And it was around that time that I also realized that oysters are like a very New York thing Mm. because they, because they're what you can get them nearby. Right. Right. That uh, the East coast is like, yeah. So, so we tried oysters and I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely a texture thing. Maybe I'm just a child about it. I need to get over it. <laughs> but you just have to like shoot him back real quick. I don't know. You'll maybe What's you'll... the fun in that? What's good about eating something that you have to shoot back? I, well, I you can still chew on them. I don't know. This is kind of weird. But yeah, like <laughs> it's not something that you like eat with a fork and you like take bites out of. Like you just like mm-hmm. slide it right in. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I'd rather have the cookie. (laughs) Fair enough. Okay, so you can invite five people, either famous food people or just food people in your life to dinner. Who are they and what would you make for them slash bake for them? Oh my gosh, I have to make them dinner? (laughs) Or you could order takeout and then just bake them baked goods afterwards. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that would be so nerve-wracking. Um... (laughs) I honestly don't even like I don't even like cooking for like my friends and family and stuff because I get so nervous about it. I don't know if like I'm like the kind of person who I'm like, do you guys like this? Do you think it's good? Like constantly (laughs) when someone's eating. But five people that I would have dinner with, probably um, my brothers. That's four people. (laughs) Only (laughs) um, my brothers are the best I think okay if I had to narrow it down I would probably choose my two older brothers Andrew and Simon so sorry (laughs) Sorry. William and Matthew (laughs) but they're definitely not listening to this podcast um so Andrew and Simon I would probably bring Sola I mean who doesn't love Sola um yeah (laughs) Uh, another fun person to eat with oh my gosh there is there's like few food personalities that I really enjoy. So Sola is like top of that list for mm-hmm. sure. I also really like Molly Boss. Yeah. Um, definitely an underrated test kitchen member. Um, maybe, wait, that's four people. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> wait, what about, no, you can answer, but I'll tell you who <laughs> the person that I was going to say when you're done. Um, I would probably choose, this is hard. I'm choosing this like I'm actually going to eat dinner with them. (laughs) (laughs) It's like life or death. This is like off the wall, but I I really enjoy Joshua Weissman's YouTube videos. So maybe Joshua. I was going to say, I was going to say Samin Nozra. I'm obsessed with her. Oh, I do love Samin too. Oh, she is so nice. Okay. I changed my answer to her. (laughs) 
Because she's never, like, really annoyed me. No, she's also hilarious and fun. Yeah. And, yeah, she's never been annoying. She seems like she'd be great to have at a dinner party, honestly. So Oh, for sure. Like, I would invite mm-hmm. her to every dinner party if I could. Um, she's not on enough. She's not in enough videos on the internet. No. Oh, another good one would be Maddie Matheson. He's one of my faves, too. Cool. Well, that's that sounds like a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so now we will get into the recipe of the episode. What oh, is something man. that you would like to share with the listeners, whether it's a recipe you created or just a recipe that you really love? Doesn't matter what it is. What should the listeners cook this week? Um, well, I, I mean, who doesn't love soup? for fall Mm. (laughs) honestly that's all I can think about this week because it's just started to get cold in Ohio Mm -hmm. um so I did just post a recent Instagram reel of my favorite soup recipe which is from Half-Baked Harvest it's a sweet potato and lentil soup with kale and coconut milk and it's honestly so good we probably have it like every other week um it just like comes together so quickly and I don't know it's feels good for your soul and for your body so Mm. that's one of my faves um but as far as baking recipes go I have a couple recipes that actually will be posted on the Hartzler dairy Instagram account in the next Mm. month they're an Ohio-based dairy company so there's some some pretty good stuff coming there and that's hopefully some new some new recipes uh coming to the blog too Cool. And I always post recipes on TikTok. Whatever I'm making for dinner gets put on TikTok. So you can okay. find all my recipes there. Um, too. That's awesome. Um, so where can people find you on um, Instagram and website? All the good stuff. You can find me on Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok for sure. My username is Anne Marie Elevan on all of those platforms. And you can also find me on my blog, which is also AnneMarieElevan.com. Oh, this has been really fun. Bye. Okay. Thank you so much for tuning back into Muse Room Podcast. Like I said, I know it's been a long time, but I'm happy to be back and I'm happy if you're a returning listener for returning. I appreciate that so much. If you love the podcast, please leave a review. It really helps other people find the podcast. It helps potential listeners decide whether or not they want to tune in. So thank you so much for your support in that way. Um, We can connect on Instagram if we haven't already. I'm at Muse Room Table. If you want to connect with Anne-Marie, please do. Her Instagram account is lovely and so inspirational, so you can find her at Anne-Marie Alaban. And I will post all of that in the show notes. I can't wait to talk to you again. If you have anyone that you want me to interview, please let me know by either emailing me or sending me a DM. So until next time, have a great week. Please keep cooking. Let me know what you're cooking, and we'll talk soon. Bye.